Friends, welcome to Be Real with BK. I'm your host, Brooklyn K, better known as BK, and I think it's about time we have a safe space where we can just get real. Whatever platform you're listening on, go ahead and press that share button. You can find me on social media at Brooklyn K, two N's, two Y's. Thank you for joining me, and I can't wait to connect with all of you. Alrighty. Time to get real. Hi, friends. Welcome to episode two of Be Real with BK. As always, thank you for joining me. I am so thankful and so blessed for your support thus far. This is crazy that I'm actually doing this, but we're giving it a go and we're running with it. So today I have my first guest and I knew when I started this podcast that I wanted to invite people on that were willing to be real, raw, unfiltered, and in the moment with me because that's what this podcast is about. It's a safe space where we can all come together, share our stories, share our message, and really get in tune with not only each other, but ourselves. And this woman did exactly that. To date, she is one of the most inspiring people I have met in my life. What she has gone through in the past years has been heartbreaking, but instead of giving up, she chooses to fight the battle not only for herself, but everyone in her life and everyone who faces the same battle. She's strong, confident, and so brave, and I'm so blessed to know her. I met her through the Miss America organization about 9, 10 years ago. We couldn't decide on a number, but just know that it was a long time ago. So we've grown up together for quite a while. And I am just so grateful that she chose to be my first guest on Be Real with BK. I know it's a long episode, but I promise you are going to want to hear everything. I couldn't edit anything out because the content is just that good. It is so good. We were real. And that's exactly what it's supposed to be on this show. So without further ado, I give you the current Miss Sunrise side, the CEO of her own nonprofit organization, Champions for HD, Miss Shelby Lentz. All right. So I have my friend Shelby here. Shelby and I have known each other for a long time a long time <laughs> uh maybe 15 since maybe yes yeah, so, like nine years like that, ever ever since we you know have met each other in pageant world um but yeah she's here and she's gonna help me kick things off this is so fun she's also the person I've been to going to for like podcast stuff because she has her own podcast I'll let her tell you about that though um <laughs> super amazing I'm like Shelby how do I do this we were just talking for two and a half hours before this because we haven't talked to each other in, uh, over a year yep but it's, uh, I'm like, Shelby, please help me with all of this. How do I record on Zoom? How do I, she sends me voice messages all the time. She's a blessing in disguise. <laughs> this is Shelby Lentz, everybody. Um, Shelby, you can go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself because you are the queen of you and I want you to do that. So oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I am so honored to be your first guest. And when you texted me and said you had a project, I had 
I honestly had no idea what it was. I was like, okay, this could literally be anything. I mean, it could be something to do with your social impacts. It could be something to do with like post-graduation. And when you told me you wanted to start a podcast, I got super like geeked because I love doing my podcast and it's just been so fun to like be your first guest. When you asked me, I literally got butterflies. It's like, that's so sweet. I'm so honored. Of course. Um, Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you'll introduce yourself here, but I mean, we've been close and I'm like, who she's helped me with this. So why not? And especially like what we're going to talk about, like you're a person that I think about when I like think about all these things. So it's like, why not have her as my first guest? Like, this is pretty cool. So I think it's cool to see it come like full circle because Mm -hmm. like Brooklyn said, we met as little babies. Mm -hmm. Uh, We spent two and a half hours talking about how old we are. And (laughs) mind you, we're only about to be 24, each of us. So it's not like we're at retirement, but we kind of feel like it. (laughs) We're we're almost at retirement in pageant world and pageant world is so, is so like limited. Like you only compete until you're 25. So it's like, yeah, we are almost at retirement. (laughs) I think it's just crazy because you start to like take every year for granted. You look forward to your sweet 16. You look forward to 18 where you're going to college and picking your, your university and what you want to study. And then you get to be 21. And then after that, it's like, there's no birthdays to look forward to. So you just kind of go fast. The next milestone is 25 and that's halfway to 50. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm like, how do I celebrate how do I need to figure out how to make things exciting because before it was so easy to make things exciting. I mean, you turn 18, you're an adult, you vote, you turn 20, you're no longer a teen, turn 21, alcohol. There's like, you are fully able to do everything besides run a car. And I mean, 25. Yeah. You run a car. Who who wants to celebrate that? Like, (laughs) I mean, I heard at 25, your car insurance goes down too. Oh, that's not a bad thing. Cause Car insurance can be expensive, especially in the state of Michigan. <laughs> oh God, I think we got rid of no fault though. So right, we 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 love that. We love that. <laughs> but so, like I said, Shelby has her own podcast, and um, it's kind of in a different direction of where mine's at. Um, Shelby has something that's near and dear to her heart: um, Champions for HD, which I will let her indulge in that. Which is why she's super inspiring to everybody that she knows. I mean, her story is incredible, but I'll let her indulge in that. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Well, this is, um, this is awesome because I don't think, I really don't think I would have had the strength of the confidence to talk about Huntington's the way that I do if I wasn't involved in the Miss America organization before getting diagnosed. Like, I think it was God putting me in a place at a time to prepare me for something that I could not anticipate at, you know, 15 years old. Thank God I did not have any idea. Um, but when I started competing, you know, you had to pick a social impact initiative at that point, it was just platform, which I think rolls off the tongue a little bit easier, a little easier, but social <laughs> impact initiative. I remember when they first came it. I'm like, is it social in- initiative? Social impact? Impact. Yeah, say that 10 times, social impact. <laughs> Like, what is the initiative or SSS? Oh my God, SII. Yes, I almost said SSI. See, I can't even. Wow. (laughs) Platform, platform, (laughs) platform. And uh, back then, I, I didn't know like what was. I knew things that were near and dear to my heart, but there was nothing that was like life shattering that I felt so called to talk about. So I started out with uh, Make a Wish because my sister was a wish kid, and then. 
moved into red, white, blue, and you, which was, uh, I used to perform at the veterans hospitals when I was in high school. Like I would do that in between classes and, uh, cheer practice. <laughs> and my grandfather was in the military. So, uh, that was my platform at yeah, one point. It's what, it's what made sense at the time, you know? Oh, and they're still super near and dear to my heart, but it was more like I was doing it for people who I knew in my family who were affected by different things. And then it became fitness because I had a really life-changing moment where I was going through disordered eating habits and had to get through that. And I was really motivated to share that story at that time. And then in 2017, uh, I got diagnosed with Huntington's disease and I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> and in 2015, it was when the very first diagnosis came into our family with my grandfather. And so for anyone listening who has no idea what it is, like I did, it's like having ALS, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's all at once. It's a genetic disorder. So if your parent has it, you, you have a 50-50 chance of inheriting it. And a lot of people hear that and they think if you have like an even number of siblings, if you have four, that half of you will get it and half of you won't, like that's 50-50, right? Well, no, it's scarier than that. 50-50 means each person has their own 50-50 chance of inheriting it. So I've heard of families who have all had it and passed. I've heard of families who none of them inherited it or some families where some do and some don't. And then there's this survivor's guilt from the siblings who don't have it and it's, it's just a very tricky family disease because it is genetic. I mean, my family has gone through cancer. Uh, my family has gone through mental health issues, um, losing people to so many different things, and it impacts the family so significantly no matter what it is. But the moment that you know you're also at risk, uh, that starts to change things. And I know that obviously with your situation with your mother and breast cancer, that is Definitely different than most circumstances because right. there is, there is a gene to that, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. And thankfully, or with my mom's story, she tested negative for that gene, which I mean, doesn't mean that I won't have it, but, uh, it's a better percentage on my end that I won't have it. It's the BRCA gene, which at 25, I will get tested. Um, so I can, you know, keep track of what I'm doing, how I'm going about things, how I live my life. Um, but it's not totally genetic as in your situation, um, totally different, but on my end, it gets a little lower because she didn't have it. But it's still, it's still so life shattering to oh, hear that and to know God. that all of a sudden someone you love is at risk and now you have to think about yourself. Right. And it feels selfish because in that moment, I mean, all you want to think about, like in my circumstance was my grandfather or my father mm -hmm. or my sister or for you, your mother. Mm -hmm. But then you also have to have that selfish moment to go, okay, how am I going to adapt my life if these circumstances come my way. And right. that's a whole different picture. Right. And, and you never, <laughs> and you never think that too. I mean, I, I haven't run into that crossroad yet, but I know the day that my mother was diagnosed, I was in fear of like my life and the trajectory of like, where would this lead me? Am I at higher risk now? Is this genetic? Am I going to end up with this gene? what do I do now to help myself in this situation live a healthier future? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing I, when it comes to a platform that we have being in the Miss America organization is that we're able to educate people, whether or not we know what our future holds for us, you know, 
educate them so they're able to plan their future. They're able to, you know, have the facts on their side that we didn't have before. And so I'm thankful for the platform that we have so we can, you know, spread the knowledge that we have. And especially in your case, I had no idea. I, like you said, you didn't even have it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, honey, since it was, and I had no idea what it was until you were diagnosed with it. And then you started, I mean, I'm more educated on it now than I think a regular human being is. Because <laughs> you've heard me talk about it so much. But I'm mean, saying that at the time, that's good because then yeah. um, when, I t- when I tell people about you, because I tell a lot of people about you because you're so inspiring, especially at such a young age, holding an unprofit and, you know, knowing what you do about your ge- genetics and everything. I, I, I know how to educate people. And I do tell people it's like having ALS, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's at the same time. And they're like, what? Yeah. It's, it's insane, but you do so much for it. And that like you've indulged your, like part of your life is it's not even, it's not only just like part of your life because you don't have a choice, but it's a part of your life because you choose to educate people about it. Absolutely. And (laughs) my longstanding tale that I have to like tell people to laugh it off is it sounds terrible, but when my grandfather was first diagnosed, I didn't know what it was and he was just recovering from cancer. And so I just associated it with an aftermath of his cancer diagnosis and thought it was something that people were at risk for. I had no idea. And so when he got diagnosed and then my father was like, okay, well now I'm at risk. And if I get tested and I test positive, you could have it. That's when that light bulb went off. And I said, okay, how are we going to handle this? And at 19 was when I finally got tested and I had to wait nine months to complete the testing process. Oh my gosh. Well, I didn't, I guess you could say I didn't have to. My mom begged me to because I was going into my sophomore year of college mm-hmm. and my dad found out in summer of 2016 and I, I called up his genetic counselor the next day, who's now my genetic counselor. And I said, I'm 19. I'm Andy's daughter. I want to get tested. I'm at risk. And with Huntington's, you can't legally get tested until you are 18 or older, or if you're a minor with symptoms and you could potentially have the juvenile version like my sister did. But in my case, I didn't have any symptoms. So I knew I was of age. I called her But the suicide rates with Huntington's uh, because of the mental health decline, not only with having the disease, but with the aftermath of a diagnosis are super high. So they like to go through like a five-step process where you talk to a genetic counselor, you talk to a therapist multiple times, you go in and you see a neurologist, they check out your physical and your mental health, and then they at the end give you a recommendation as far as if they see any symptoms or need for you to get tested or if they don't recommend it. But if you are 18, you can tell them, I want to get tested, even if I don't have symptoms, which is what happened to me. I got all the way to the therapist. And uh, like you and I were kind of talking off, off the record before we got on here, I was going through a lot, a broken relationship. My father, my sister, and my grandpa were all diagnosed at this point. My sister got her diagnosis for juvenile Huntington's, which is the children's form of Huntington's. It is 1% of Huntington's patients are juvenile Huntington's. So the fact that Brianna got it uh, at 11, we think that she was symptomatic at seven, but we didn't have her officially diagnosed until 11. 
Um, and then like within a year, she lost her ability to walk, talk, eat, was placed on a feeding tube a year after. Um, and so it, it happened super quickly, but I went into the testing room and I said, you know, I want to get tested. And the, uh, the counselor looked at me and she said, do you really think that this is a good point in your life to get tested given all that's going on? And is your mental health going to be able to, to handle this? which I think is a really fair thing to ask somebody. Right. But I also said, well, I don't really think that there is a good time to drop a bomb like this. So in my head, and I always tell people that's not how it works for everyone. Everyone takes the testing approach very, very differently. And I support anyone's decision to test or not test. But for me, I said, if I am going to know, I need to know now so I can start fighting this thing. Right. And so we scheduled the appointment. I went off to school. I got the call the day I moved in from my dad that my sister was diagnosed. And that was probably aside from maybe 2020, the darkest year I ever went through because I was all alone at school. I had some friends in Nashville that I'm still really close with, but when you're trying to comprehend this new diagnosis in your family and whether or not you might have it, I didn't really want to be social. I was in Nashville for music and I wasn't really performing. I would write music here or there, but I didn't want to go anywhere. I could barely get myself to go to class. It got so bad that my mom, my roommate had told my mom that she might have to come get me from school because she didn't know if I was mentally going to be okay. And I did have a breaking point about a week before I came home for uh, summer after my sophomore year. I was at my retail job and I broke down crying on my break. I called my genetic counselor at like 11 o'clock at night. So it's 12 o'clock in the morning now, Michigan time, because Nashville is an hour behind. And I said, I know I'm supposed to see you a couple of weeks after I come home, but I need to know now. Like, is there any way that as soon as I come home, you could get me in within the week? And she's such an angel. She called me the next day after she got my, my breakdown message. And she said, when do you come home from school? And when I told her, she said, I can get you in the next day. So I drove home overnight. And then that Friday I went into her office and I had had this gut feeling and I, I called it a gut feeling, but now I tell people it was, it was my God feeling because I always have had faith, but my faith would dwindle from time to time and it mm-hmm. would grow. And then it would, it would, it would fall off. And so throughout this time, I just felt like I was being called for a reason and my relationship with God was growing at that time too. And so he was preparing me to, to get this diagnosis and I had no idea why, but when I walked into the room of May of 2017, she told me I had it and I wasn't even surprised. I basically just like went numb. I checked out mentally for about six months. I didn't cry until six months after that diagnosis. But my mom was sitting there like sobbing, asking her if there was anything we could do, if there are any clinical trials. And I had just already like accepted it in my head about nine months before I had even walked into the room. Mm -hmm. So my mentality was it's fight or flight and my choice is to fight. So how do we, how do we go about this? And obviously there are very, very low points when I finally grieved. I grieved really harshly, especially when I was watching my sister deteriorate really quickly. And my dad 
lose his ability to drive and waiting for disability, which in the United States is a pain to go through the disability process, especially with Huntington's, because it's very cognitive before you see a physical decline. So with my dad being all mental decline and not very much physical, they were denying him because they told him that they didn't, like they didn't see a reason, like literally they did not see a reason to give him disability, meaning he had no physical symptoms. Which and, is the most insane <laughs> thing to me. You uh-huh. Yep. And, and it goes with like anything too. Like just because you can't see it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's not there. Happening. Yeah. Frustrating. Keep going. Oh, no, it's so frustrating because we are in an era where we talk so openly about mental health. Mm -hmm. And I try to really like emphasize that when I talk about Huntington's because I love when people tell me that my optimism and my story brings them hope. But I've had people ask me, they're like, how do you stay positive all the time? And that to me is, I don't want like a toxic positivity. I want people to know that I'm more optimistic than fearful. But at the same time, I want them to know like it's okay to grieve. It's okay to have depression or anxiety because there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to be able to sing and play guitar the rest of my life? Will my mind and body forget how to eat or drink? Will I be able to have kids? Will I be able to watch them grow old? Like all these questions are constantly going through my head, but I have to choose whether or not I let them control my life and how I live it. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to be the person where I got diagnosed and I threw in the towel because there have been people who've gotten a diagnosis. My genetic counselor did, obviously wouldn't tell me who, but just stories of people who would get a diagnosis and they saw it as a death sentence and they wouldn't pursue their dreams. They wouldn't go to school. They wouldn't travel because they just thought that their life was over. And because they thought that, that's how they, that's how they lived their life. whether or not they were symptomatic or not. So I became really vocal about it. And through my music, through the Miss America organization, I mean, I, I have said so many times how supportive all of you guys were the moment I got diagnosed. Everyone has been so supportive, so kind, but you guys were a part of, you know, watching me grow up and watching each other grow up. I mean, we were literally kids when we met. Right. And we start having these life moments where, everything starts to feel really confusing and dark and scary. But when you have people there to ground you and to tell you that they're going to fight this through with you, that changes everything. And so when I started feeling confident enough to have it be my platform and to talk to people about it in Miss America, I was really seeing the impact it had because not only was I being able to educate people in Miss America, but Everyone in the Huntington's disease community now knows what, what Miss America is if they didn't before. So every year now that I go to Miss Michigan, you know, they're like, so when's Miss America? Are we going to see Like they get so excited and they're so supportive. So it's been really cool to like see that, that crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, but without Miss America, I don't think I would have had the confidence to when I had someone approach me to start my nonprofit, mm-hmm. offered to pay for it offered to help me start it up, give me the attorney, like literally was going to do everything for me. They just wanted me to start the nonprofit. I doubted myself for a moment. And then I said, no, you know, I, I know that I can do this. I know through what I've done in Miss America and my, my service work that 
I can have an impact. And even if that's on a smaller scale than bigger nonprofits that I often like to compare myself to like St. Jude's or Make-A-Wish who, hello, have been around for decades. I mean, right, right. <laughs> a little harsh on myself, but I said, yeah, you know what, let's do it. And I couldn't think of a better name than Champions for HD because um, you know, Rocky Balboa is my man. That's my favorite. Aside from obviously Harry Potter, Marvel, I love all those movies. But when it comes to movies that like inspire me in my life, the Rocky movies do that for me. And so when I wrote my song in Nashville with my friends, Jessica Champion, I wrote it right before we had found out about Huntington's. And my motto was if I write a song that makes other people feel good, it'll get them through their hurdles in life. Because when I watch Rocky, I feel like I can take on the world. Right. And I wanted to emulate that in a song. And then again, God moments, he gave me the song so that when I got diagnosed, I not only had it to give to people in the Huntington's disease community, but I had it for myself to say, okay, don't be a victim, be a victor. Mm-hmm. And that was the mentality I had. So we made it champions for HD and in April of 2018. So we're almost on our three year anniversary. We became official and we now have helped over 50 families. We've raised over $25,000. We've raised $4,500 for research specifically to different local um, farms that are doing research with sheep that could potentially be a cure and or treatment for Huntington's. And it has been the most therapeutic thing I could have ever asked for aside from music, aside from just having a support system, being able to give back to people and have them tell you that you were able to help them keep their electricity on or pay for medical bills or pay for their genetic testing because insurance doesn't always cover that. I mean, those are the stories that stick with you when life starts to get you down and they make you want to get up and keep fighting because you're now fighting for something greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of Miss America is it's taught people like you and I, young women, all of our sisters, that if we have something we believe in, we can make an impact, whether we are a local state or national title holder. And that goes far beyond like the pageant system. That's something that we carry on with our lives. We become the leaders in the world that we're going to reflect on and go, oh my gosh, like, look what Brooklyn's doing. Look what Larkin's doing. Look what Shelby's doing. Like, I, I just, I'm so grateful that that's where it's brought me to at this point in my life. Right. And you know, when we started as teens, because before there, uh, there was, there's a miss, there's now an outstanding teen program. And that's where Shelby and I kind of started. And that's where we met. But in the teen category, it's not that you don't have something you're passionate about. But part of the Miss America program to compete is that you have this platform. So it's like, okay, what can I, what can I do? What am I passionate about? And then as you get older, you know, I kind of went through the same thing as you like I went through uh, two different platforms, like a, a, a relatively the same, but it was volunteering because that's what I was passionate about. You know, like everybody can make a difference. And then you don't want to have something detrimental in your life happen that you have something to fight for, but it almost makes it 10 times better when you, when you find that, when you, and it's not that it has to happen personally to you, but it all, it becomes a lifestyle is what I'm trying to say. Like when you're a teen, 
it was, I have to find something, but now <laughs> for people in you and I, it's something that we do every day because yeah. it is our everyday life and uh-huh. it's not pageantry anymore. It's mm-hmm. something that will carry with us well beyond our years in the Miss Miracle organization. It's, it's something that, you know, we advocate every day for. And if it wasn't for the Miss Miracle organization, we probably wouldn't have had this voice on the platform that we do and we wouldn't have the confidence you know to advocate the way that we do now but we have to give thanks to the organization that we're in to be able to have the confidence to do so oh yeah and that's why i i really try to tell people when they ask what have you gotten from pageants or why are you still competing are they still relevant It's not, I mean, obviously you and I can attest to the fact that it is fun to be on stage in a beautiful evening gown and to have that crowning moment. I mean, it's like that prom moment that every girl dreams of, but if you're in a pageant, you get to continue that on into your early (laughs) twenties with with a sparkly crown. We dress up like it's our everyday job. Like, (laughs) and we we love it. That's a part of what it is, but also a part of it is, um, be having this platform advocating for something that becomes a lifestyle that changes people's lives that has an impact on others that we never thought we would have in a million years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that you can't, you can't put a price tag on because yeah, 15 year old Shelby or 15 year old Brooklyn, or actually Brooklyn's been doing this since she was like a little, little mess. So <laughs> it'd be like five year old, six year old Brooklyn. You can't, fathom how much you're going to grow and what you believe in and how you see yourself impacting the world when you're that age, because life is tunnel vision at that point. And it's like you said, until you have something that makes you start to see life differently and open your eyes and have something that you want to wake up every day to fight for, that's, that's that moment when it starts to click and things start to fall into place. And I mean, for me, I, it sounds so cliche and I can't, I can't explain it to people. I just try my best to make it make sense. But when people ask, you know, how, how do you, how do you go about life with positivity when you have a disease that could potentially take your life? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, thankfully I still have my grandpa. I still have my dad. Uh, Both of them have symptoms, but they're still here. But we did lose my sister last April, uh, only 14. She had turned 14 in February, was put on hospice last January. And then on Easter morning, she passed away. And like that, that was really life shattering for me because I had only ever lost. The only loss I ever remember was my grandfather, my mom's dad. And he had been in Vietnam and was exposed to Agent Orange. So he developed cancer from that agent orange. And when I lost him, I was only eight. So to me, it was still a bubble. It was still tunnel vision. I knew he was gone, but I couldn't quite understand it. But when I lost her, like that was my first time actually losing someone so close to me as an adult and understanding what was going on. Sometimes I wish I could be blissfully young again and, you know, just naive to the tragedies of the world because everything seemed to just make sense as a kid. But after I lost her, I mean, the grieving was a roller coaster. I'm still 
I, I'm still going through that. Some days are really good and some days are really low. And the only thing that gets me through it is just knowing that she's in a better place. And my peaking point for my faith was losing her on Easter because, you know, as a Christian, you learn that Jesus rose on Easter. And so the fact that she left on that day to me was a, a sign to not to be sad that she was gone, but to not be sad that, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't hurting anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that gives me peace is knowing that while we're still grieving here on earth, she is in a much better place and she's able to run, dance, sing all the things that she wanted to do so badly down here that she was not able to. And she actually loved, like loved pageants, loved mm -hmm. the crowns, loved the sashes. And it always broke my heart because she got so symptomatic so fast that when I was in the prime of competing constantly as a teen and then as a miss, she got too sick to be able to go like more than a five or 10 mile radius from her home. And so she could never go to the pageants. So what I would do was every time I would be, you know, lucky enough to go home with a, a title, I would drive to my stepmom's house. And I would put a crown and sash on her and pretend that it was her crown and her sash. Like it wasn't mine. I was just bringing it home for her and she would do her wave and like walk in her walker. And, uh, when I actually won Miss Spirit of the State, which Brooklyn and I are Spirit of the State sisters, yes, we, <laughs> we, she was at the hospital. So I went to the hospital and, uh, from her hospital bed, she was still able to walk a little bit at this point. I put her crown and the sash on her. She got out of her hospital bed and I was holding her and showing her how to like walk and wave. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we had our first benefit concert in 2018, that's our biggest annual fundraiser every year. I wanted to honor someone every single year that is making a difference in the HD community. And I didn't want it to just be someone who has it. That wasn't the point. It was just someone who is making a difference, whether they're raising awareness, a caregiver at risk, they have it. Anyone is welcome to be recognized for the work that they're doing. But I wanted that first initial person to be recognized to be brief because she never had that moment. And she used to always tell me growing up, like, I want to sing like you. I want to do the pageants like you. So I got her a crown and a sash. And the sash was actually from the official, the sash company. It was an off-brand one because obviously I can't get a Miss America one. <laughs> but we got a purple and blue one because those are Huntington's colors. And it said champion for HD of 2018. And we got her a crown. And she got to do a wave and a walk. And... Uh, up until the moment she passed, she slept with that crown and sash on the side of her bed every single night. Um, and so like the, those are just the moments that I, I try to keep with me when it gets really tough mm -hmm. because having HD in my family has taught me the gift of life. And I don't think I appreciated life half as much as I do now, knowing that it's fragile and not only could I lose anyone I love at any given point, but my life is fragile. Whether you have a disease or not, mm -hmm. you could walk outside. And this is how we tried to make it make sense and to make us feel more at peace was anyone's time could be any moment. Like that's all in God's hands. Right. So the fact that we knew she was in a bad place and we got 
three years after her diagnosis to literally treat her like a princess, do everything we could until she got to be bedridden. And then once she was bedridden, we were over painting her nails, doing her hair, watching movies, you know, giving her massages, playing board games, like anything that we could do to have those moments before she was gone. But then you hear these stories of people who like they they get in a car and they get in a wreck and they never said anything to their loved ones or they just had a fight with their loved ones. Or there was a story of this young girl and not Seago and uh, she was coming home from college, went to bed and never woke up. And they still to this day never found out what happened, why she stopped breathing, why she stopped, never woke up. And she was only 19. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm assuming her parents probably told her good night. I love you, but they weren't expecting to not see her in the morning. Right. So having those years to grieve and to make those moments count was like the best blessing I could have ever had in the entire world. And we almost didn't even get to see her because of COVID. This was right when COVID had cracked down and we had all these restrictions. She was in the hospital and the rule at the time was only one other person and it has to be a parent. So we were basically told she's probably going to pass in the hospital. And the last time you saw her is the last time you're going to see her. And for me, that was on her birthday in February, because when COVID hit, I kept telling myself, I know she's on um, hospice, but don't go see her because she's really, really at risk right now. Right. And then initially my gut was like, oh my goodness, should I have just went and seen her? Like it, if at this point she's going to pass anyway, I just, I didn't get to see her. So, uh, she had been in the hospital on and off for three years and they can't do anything for someone with Huntington's because there's no medicine, there's no cure. So they, they would just keep her comfortable whenever she'd have an episode, but the nurses knew my stepmom and they were able to, um, arrange an ambulance to take her home. So they brought her by ambulance back to the apartment that her and my stepmom were living in with my brother. And, um, what they thought was going to be one night ended up being five which was a blessing, but also I, I would not wish that on anyone. I mean, she was there, but she wasn't awake. She wasn't conscious. Most nights we, she would stop breathing or she would start choking and you were just constantly on alert waiting for like that moment to happen. I mean, no one slept. Everyone was an emotional mess, but in those moments, all you can do is hold each other and Mm -hmm. we would stand over her bed and pray over her and talk about memories that we forgot that we even had about her. And all of a sudden it's like your life comes full circle and you start to realize that like we're, we're put on this earth for more than to just like work, get paid. And you know, all those things that become so redundant. I have to remind myself of that when I start to get complacent or upset with the mundane, like work week, we're put here for so much more than that. And if I have the ability to know that now at 23, rather than on my deathbed at 80, like I, I would absolutely take my circumstances over anything. Right. Other. Right. And I mean, I remember this, that time last year and I, the only thing I could take out of it was the fact that you and your family were there for her and made her feel the way that she did when she left this earth. And I mean, I remember all those pictures. I remember the video of her in the hospital room. I I remember everything that you just said because you would not only post about it, but you would just, 
you told it and it was your story. It was her story. And that's what inspires people. And that's what you do every day. And I mean, she's in a better place right now because she can do all those things, but she is also in a better place because she knows what you are doing for her. And if it wasn't for you and the people like you fighting for the thing that ended her life, she, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you're able to do that for her. And that's the biggest thing that I think that you can take from it too, is that you're still fighting for her. Although she can't fight anymore, you are. And yeah, that's, (laughs) I'm not trying to get emotional, (laughs) (laughs) but, but honestly, if, if you can take anything from that, and I think that's what anybody can take away from anything, um, when something happens for anybody at any point in their life, you fight for them and you fight for their cause and, uh, people who lose people in car accidents from texting and driving, drinking and driving, they advocate for that mm-hmm. cancer. They advocate for that Huntington's disease. You advocate for that. So it's, even though we hate losing those people and we, we hate to see them go when they were suffering, we want them in a better place and all we can do for them is fight for them and continue to do that and you are lucky enough to do that and have this story and have this message that you created this nonprofit, and you can go and tell her story tell your grandfather's story tell your dad's story tell your story and inspire other people because I mean like I said I would not know what Huntington's disease was if it wasn't for you and now I'm able to tell other people what Huntington's disease is and it's education is power and advocating uh, it lets us do that and being passionate about it and having it be your life. I mean, you have touched thousands of lives. I know that for a fact because you, I, I've seen you from day one with this and I've seen you fight it. And like you said, it's, you can either choose to be the victim or the victor and you are the victor through and through because you have not let it beat you down to your core. You have not let it, you know, throw, you have not let it, let you throw in the towel. You have fought day in and day out for it. And I know that she looks down on you and was like, hell yeah, that's my sister. Like that's, that's her right now. She's like, go you. I love you. You are doing this for me and I could not be prouder of you. So I know that you take that with you every day. And I remember, I I will always remember her for her fight and you and I, our friendship will go long beyond our years of this America organization. Absolutely. But uh, but I know that when I talk about you, that's like the biggest, I'm like, this girl has had gone, has gone through so much in her life, but she fights every single day for it. And I could not be more proud to be your friend because of it. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you maybe all emotional. <laughs> we can stop being emotional. Like we can talk about. Oh, it. it's okay. <laughs> it's it's just nice to to be at this place and to have the support that I have. But yeah, it's just life is so different when you start to put a different lens on. And even with you know talking about changing your mentality and being a victor over a victim, I know you and I both take our our fitness really seriously, and that. I know that that can come with a bad connotation to it sometimes like working out and fitness. But when I think of it and I think when you think of it, sure, your physique might be part of it, but the majority of it is 
I have this one body that God gave me. It's not indestructible. Mm-hmm. I am at risk for a disease or have a disease or, you know, with you and your mom and the breast cancer, like that lingers in the back of your head. And it's like, mm-hmm. how am I going to have the best possible fight against whatever comes to my body? Or even if that's, you know, with 2020, 2021, that could be COVID. Right. I mean, you, you know that Brooklyn had COVID. Oh, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was not fun, but right. Like any, anybody, you don't know what can be thrown at you any day. So why not take care of yourself? So you are healthy in a way that you can fight something off, whether it be COVID, whether it be cancer, whether it be Huntington's disease, whether it be anything that life throws at you, because nowadays who the hell knows what it could be, but it's, it's right. You, you think of fitness that way. And that's something that I wanted to kind of gear into because I know you and I are both super passionate about that, especially with, you know, 2021, new year, new me, new year's resolutions and all of that. It's, it's, uh, something that everybody fights for at the beginning, but you and I know have been passionate for about fitness for a while. And I know both you and I have had kind of a fitness like journey, like a turning point, like you said earlier, like I had a turning point back in 2017 where, you know, I put on weight and I'm like, I'm not happy with myself. And it's not so much even physique. Like we all want to look a certain way. I mean, right. Everybody has that. Everybody. I want to hide the hourglass shape, a jawline, but I also want to be fit and I want to have abs, but I want to have a butt and I want my, I want to look these way. This but way. we also love ice cream and <laughs> I love the occasional McDonald's at 12 o'clock at night and I do love Taco Bell. And, oh, Taco Bell is my weakness. And I love making brownies and yes. <laughs> the occasional glass of wine. Like that's yes. Nice. It's about, it's about balance. Right. Right. It's, but it's not only about physique, it's about being healthy, but also I find that when I'm working out and I worry about my fitness, I'm mentally healthier too. And emotionally. Yes. Absolutely. Like mental, I, I am a strong believer. I mean, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I know that there are studies that go to back this, that when you combine your fitness and your mental health, they go, they go hand in hand. Like if you're not taking care of your mental health, then your relationship with fitness is toxic because you look at it as just a physique, just a number on the scale. But if you're also focusing on your mental health and not your fitness, then you're not getting all of these releases and endorphins that you get when you are working out. I mean, it can take me 30 minutes to convince myself in the car to get into the gym, but once I'm there, like watch out. And with having like yourself is your sole focus. Because when I first started working out, I never got like that gym intimidation because I just started weight training with like guy friends and my dad. So that was something I was just accustomed to. But even now, like I know I'm not like at my height, like I once was Mm -hmm. as strong as I'd like to be like physique wise. But when I go to the gym, it's me, myself and I time. Mm-hmm. So I don't even give anyone like that in a like condescending way, but I don't give anyone the time of day when I'm at the gym. It's me, myself, my body, my journey. And when you realize that you are your only competition, mm-hmm. I think that is the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned as a young woman, like between fitness and pageants and everything like that. When you realize you're competing against you, not other women, not other men, like just you, your thought process changes drastically and it's like a beautiful revolution in your mind Mm -hmm. 
And I, good for you because I still have hard time with that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, like you said, like I have to sometimes, some days peel myself out of my house. Oh no, I still struggle with the motivation. Right. The (laughs) motivation. I need to go after this. (laughs) Right. Like when I'm at the gym though, and most of the time it's like, Brooklyn, this is for you. But then I, I mean, I'm still learning. It's, it's an, a new year's resolution for me that I'm not going to give two craps about what people think about me. And it's, it's a, it's a mental game. It's Mm -hmm. hard. Um, when I'm at the gym, I'm getting better at it. Um, my boyfriend will say differently because he'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) you judge yourself all the time. But I, I mean, as, as the person, um, who comes from an organization like we do, I'm my, I'm my harshest critic. I mean, everybody, everybody in the gym can be like, this girl is working her absolute butt off and I'm right. I'm not going hard enough. Oh, absolutely. I would say I still struggle with the perfectionist in me. Absolutely. But I take that harder than like anyone making eye contact with me or anything. Cause like when I go in there, I'm like, okay, it's against me and where I want my goals to be, or it's against me and Huntington's. Right. And so all of a sudden everything else, like I, I just don't, I don't think about it. I block it out. And right. it's, it's such a nice motivating factor because before it used to be like, like when we would do swimsuit, which again, I, I do miss swimsuit, even though it was my most terrifying phase of competition, but it, <laughs> but it, it was something you'd conquer. And yeah. I feel like before I was like constantly just thinking of like how I wanted to look compared to other people. Right. And now I go in and it's just like, even if I'm only here for 30 minutes and I make myself physically or mentally feel better, we've won. Right. And that's like, that's awesome. Right. And that's, and that's a great way to think about it too, is because sometimes when I'm at the gym and you know, I have a hard time, it's like, oh, I'm not going hard enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this workout that I need to be doing. You know, I always give myself the hardest time on things that I'm not doing when I'm actually doing quite a bit. I feel uh-huh. like I need to push myself even more. Uh, I look at myself and I look at my goals and it's like, okay, you're, you're, you're there, you're doing it. And back right. to the, and back to the motivation thing. One thing that I've learned this year, and I posted about it a couple of weeks ago is that every day you're not going to have motivation. It's, oh. it, it's <laughs> absolutely not. It's self-discipline. Yes. And the more disciplined you are, the faster you're going to get to your goals. And that's something that I've learned in the month of 2020, even though we're only 29 days in, you know, or 2021, my bad. I'm still still stuck (laughs) in the 20 still lingering. It's it's still lingering. It's still kind of here, even though it's not, (laughs) it is, but you know, into the new year, I'm only 29 days in. And it's like, that's the hardest thing that I've learned this year is that it's not motivation. It's self-discipline. Even when it comes to, you know, the things that are supposed to come easy to you, you know, sometimes I don't want to shower and it's like, Brooklyn, <laughs> get in the freaking shower. Just, just do it. Okay. Sorry, I just related to that. Like really <laughs> intensely. I'm sorry for anyone listening. That probably is really gross, but like, right. I don't mean to gross anybody <laughs> else. I shower cool a lot of times a week, but some days I just wake up and it's like, I know my hair is greasy and I know I haven't washed. I shower every day, but I don't wash my hair every day. So it's like, uh, what girl, what girl in 2021 washes her hair every day? Oh, actually probably my mom. I'm sorry, mom. I'm calling you out. <laughs> she washes her hair every day. <laughs> but like, I can't, I can't, but then there's some days like, okay, Brooklyn, you haven't washed your hair in five days. It's greasy. Wash it. It's like, no, Brooklyn, don't do it. You can go another day. Dry shampoo is your best friend. But it's also like, no, wash your hair. 
you're disgusting. So it's like the discipline when it comes to that, it's like not even the gym anymore. It's just, especially after 2020, I mean, nobody has the motivation to do anything anymore because we've all been locked inside. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It's been, it's, it's crazy that it's been an entire year. And I also feel like it's been hard to balance, like setting a million goals and then also just taking a rest day and taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I I think you and I both probably are. I'm a perfectionist. Yes. Okay. Yes. Brooklyn's like, absolutely. And so I have a, like, I have my planner here. I'm still, I use my digital notebooks and things like that for reminders and alerts to, or like, you know, to communicate with the board. But for me, I love a physical planner. I can like write in highlight, like I love to old school that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have a list that I've been doing all week and I'll get like 50, 60% of it done in a day. And I'll be sitting here right now. And instead, and I think it's just something I need to work on is reframing my mind still, Mm -hmm. because instead of going, wow, Shelby, out of these 20 things, you did 15. I'm focused on the five I didn't do. Right. Like, I'm like, I can't go to bed because I didn't do these five things, but I did the other 15, you know, (laughs) I, I struggled uh, with, I have a physical planner. I'm really bad at writing in it. Uh, (laughs) What I do is I have been creating to-do lists the night before I go to sleep. But the thing I have, the hard thing I have with that is that, like you said, when I don't get something done, I feel like I failed my day. And it could be one thing. It could be two things. Mm -hmm. And it could be, you didn't do the laundry today. You suck. Like that's what my mind tells me. And it's like, (laughs) now I've been trying to like schedule my days rather than make to-do lists. So like from 10 to 1045, you have class from 1045 to 12, you make lunch, you sit down, you can sit down and watch an episode of on Netflix which right now I'm rewatching Glee for the fifth time, which yes, <laughs> I know every line and every song, but it's, I still makes me cry. So it's fine. It gets my emotion, emotions running for the day, but I start scheduling my stuff like that because I found that now that starting next week, I'm back to work. I'll have my internship. I have like everything going in my life in 2020. We didn't have that. And now I'm feeling so overstimulated that, you know, t- 2019 Brooklyn, she would have had this down pat. Like this would have been right. easy breezy cover girl for her. But 2020 run Brooklyn is like, okay, you just had a year off. You barely had to do anything. And it's not that I didn't do anything because I did plenty, but I haven't had a full plate in a while. So it's like, even when I'm around people and six people are talking at a time, I'm like, I'm overstimulated one person at a time please I don't know what gatherings are anymore like I don't know what being around yes. people is like uh-huh <laughs> gets, now I'm like okay you just ha- you have to schedule your time especially since I'm now one where I have to have like mental breaks like I have to step away from my especially because everything's virtual now I yeah. have to step away from the computer I have to step away from my phone I have to step away from the tv and that's when I go to the gym, I step outside, go walk around TJ Maxx, whatever it is. Like I have to have a moment, uh, that I'm like detached from the world because you know, the world is at our fingertips now. It's not like we can go and travel and do whatever we want. There are certain restrictions now. So it's, I have to pull myself away from it if I want to be mentally okay. And I feel like 
that's something that everybody has learned this past year is that you have to pry yourself away from the world. You have to pry yourself away from social media. You have to pry yourself away from texting all the time. You have to pry yourself away from Netflix and HBO Max. Like you just have to do it. Yeah. I've actually noticed on the days where I am shut down, even if it's just because I'm like, you know, in a board meeting or I'm planning different things or I just can't have at, like direct constant access to my phone. I feel more at peace at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it starts to make you wonder because if I have a day off, like, you know, the weekends, I really struggle with balancing between, am I going to be productive? Am I going to rest? And Mm -hmm. just mindlessly shifting through my phone. Mm -hmm. But when you unplug for a bit, you do start to realize that it is really good for your soul. Right. And I mean, who would have thought, I mean, yes, in 2019, we, we probably should have unplugged more than we did, but it was easier to, because there was things to do. Right. And places to go. People but in 2020, you can't even go to a restaurant in Michigan. I mean, first month of 2021, you couldn't either starting February 1st weekend, but at 25% capacity. Uh, I'm going to be on that wait list. I would like, (laughs) I would like to sit down and have someone else make me food for one. Right. Right. (laughs) We actually just had our meeting. I work, I'm a bartender here at a restaurant in my hometown and I we just had our meeting this week and it's like, we're going to be slammed even though it's 25% because people are sick of making their own food and they want somebody to do it for them. They are. (laughs) And I was like, even because we haven't even had carry out for the past two and a half months, we've been completely like cold turkey, nothing. Yeah. It's going to be busy, which I will be thankful for because I will be making money again and I won't have to write government, but (laughs) it's, it's, it'll, it'll be nice. And I'm lucky enough that I have been able to go to Ohio to go out to eat once because I'm, you know, 25 minutes away from the border. So that's, that's always nice. But I think about like the people, like, I don't know if you're that close, but like people that are in like up in Traverse city, you'd have to drive five hours to go (laughs) to a restaurant right now. that's not sitting outside by a heater. (laughs) It's been absolutely insane. And so I, I think it's, been harder for us to unplug after the year that we had because it's all that we knew like Netflix is all that we knew that was our movie theater and I loved going to the movies listen if the movie theaters don't survive my child inside of me will be forever like traumatized because I'm sorry I know it can be overpriced I know I, I know that the popcorn and the snacks are way too expensive but like especially okay you probably didn't see it in theaters because I think you just, didn't you just watch Marvel or was it Harry Potter that you just watched? Both. They, <laughs> were, they were both my adventures during quarantine. Okay. <laughs> I, finished, I finished Harry Potter, the whole Harry Potter series in 36 hours when I had COVID. Oh, oh, okay. You had COVID. Okay. That's a productive way to have COVID. Because I couldn't do, I could barely get myself off my bed. So I'm like, I'm going to watch, I have Hulu live for a week because I watched Miss USA on Hulu live. Right. <laughs> I'm going to watch the whole Harry Potter series. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I'll be into it, but oh, oh she's gosh, I'm obsessed. But yes, That's I just got in a Marvel theater. Let me just say that like seeing Endgame in theaters was a cinematic experience. I mean, like the whole theater was laughing, clapping, crying, and you don't get that kind of energy from home. I'm sorry. You just don't. It might be cheaper. You might be at the comfort of your own couch, but I want to be in a movie theater. Like when I see 
cinematic masterpiece. I just do. Right. And I, now that you, now that I've seen Endgame and I watched, I haven't watched a whole Marvel series, but I, before I watched Endgame, I was forced to watch other ones. So it would make sense, which I'm so glad I did. Oh yeah. I wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had the build up if you didn't right. watch the other right. one. But I, I wish that I could be in theaters for that because I'm sitting on my bed and my boyfriend's sitting next to me. And I'm, I mean, I'm not going to talk about it because maybe people haven't seen it, but like that one part at the end, I look back oh. at him and I'm like, it, oh. what happened oh. just happened for real? <laughs> I'm like sobbing. And I, I mean, you see, like I'm on TikTok and people are posting whatever from pre-COVID times and a lot of videos came up about uh people watching Endgame and videos and they're just jumping they're like yeah. oh the theaters were insane oh like my gosh it was the best I mean Harry Potter was great and all but like it's so good in theaters but I don't know Endgame just hit different and even when we went this is so off topic but even when we went and saw um Infinity War Mm-hmm. I went with my sister and again I'm not going to spoil it because I, I don't want to rat on anyone Brooklyn obviously hasn't seen it until now so maybe there's <laughs> other people who haven't but there was a part where she thought someone was gone and they weren't and then like we ended up losing that person anyway but in Infinity War all of a sudden I'm sitting next to my sister the co- movie theater is completely silent silent, and you hear Lainey just go <gasps> like out of nowhere and I'm like oh my gosh Lainey and then he uh, wow, I didn't say who. Then he uh, like comes, like <gasps> comes back, and Lainey goes, "Oh, okay." okay. Like the whole everything's theater, fine. everything's to fine. You have a meltdown. <sighs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that's why. I, I mean, I love the movies along with you, and it, like I'm a rom com person, and I love to go sit and have a good cry in front of the movie screen in the dark where nobody's gonna see me, and I can have that delicious. <laughs> movie theater popcorn with the insane amount of butter on it that I will have to go run off the next day (laughs) oh no it hits so different and now some movie theaters like if you go to celebration I mean you can get alcohol and food now like then they bring it to you have you ever been to a celebration no yeah you can order it I mean it's it's definitely like a little bit pricey but yeah you order your food you can order a drink and they bring it to you worth every dime I'm sure oh it's fabulous (laughs) I'm drooling right now. Right. Well, along with movie theaters opening opening in 2021, the way that they're supposed to be with concessions and everything. I mean, I know other states are different, but Michigan, you know, we're on lockdown. So um, what else are you looking forward to this year? Like, do you have any goals? Do you have any things, any, anything that you like are dying to do? Do you have like, what does 2021 look like for you right now? Yeah, make me get out my to-do list. No, I'm just <laughs> let me let me look at this list. <laughs> well, Brooklyn and I are going to we don't well we don't know when, but we will go to Miss Michigan at some point. Hopefully in June, the same time, the same time frame. We're crossing our fingers. We're gonna hope. So that that will be fun, um, because it's been a year since we've all seen each other, which is mm-hmm. insane. So that will be very exciting. Um. I'm also working on my YouTube channel, which took a long hiatus. I just yeah, got monetized. Yeah, girlfriend just got monetized. So, yeah, I've made a whopping three dollars. It's pretty great. Hey, <laughs> like, hey it's three dollars that you didn't have before. <laughs> oh, I'm like, this is great. So yeah, I'm working on that, trying to get consistent there. We have a lot of goals for the nonprofit and trying to execute those. I really want to start. Uh, like you, you were talking about having 
goals and plans in your mind for years and then you finally like get the guts to execute them. For me, that was my YouTube channel the end of last year, beginning of this year. Last year, it was starting the Champions podcast. But last year, I was contemplating between starting a Champions one or a personal one because I knew I could not like manage doing two at once. There was no way. So I still want to do a personal one, but I just don't think I have the time management right now to do that. So maybe I'll just plan ahead and then start it at some point. But yeah, 2021. Oh my goodness. There's just, there's so many goals and things we want to do. Hopefully we'll have our benefit events in person again. Right. Hopefully we can start like, like congregating in person and not having to get on zoom and I mean, I remember back in the beginning of quarantine, a group of friends and I literally would have weekly meetings and we, we would have like play like virtual games. Yeah. It was fun the first couple months. Right. It's like, oh, this will happen for a couple weeks. (laughs) August comes around. We're like, excuse me. Uh, Come again. (laughs) Miss Rona, it's time for your exit. (laughs) Right. So I, 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 yeah, I mean, 2021, we all hope for a lot, especially after the year that we had. And I mean, my goal for 2020, I mean, I've wanted to start a podcast for years. And if I learned anything from 2020, it's like, why the hell not? And I remember that was an epiphany I had in December actually when we were doing our like Miss Michigan takeovers and we had the Miss Michigan Instagram account and we all went live and we did stuff and my biggest takeaway from that day like it was the epiphany that day I was on the live and I'm like why not why not do the things that you want to do and it's like no but really why not and I'm like telling myself and it's like oh gosh why not and so then I'm like okay podcast time (laughs) so it's like came up with you know, the be real with BK and I want to be real with people who are on my podcast and talk about like real life stuff, not just all the chummy chummy, uh, we're doing great. How are you stuff? Like the deep stuff, the hard yep. stuff, the stuff we went through, the stuff we, it took a lot to get through, especially in 2020, but I, I wanted to be real and I wanted to show that, you know, life is not a highlight reel. And that's the biggest thing on social media now is that it's just a highlight reel. And I think that we're kind of veering away from it a little bit. I think so, which is really nice. It's nice. And I, I think we're starting to make Instagram real again. Um, although I, I will always have an food. Right. <laughs> I will always have an aesthetic to my Instagram. Don't get me wrong. They will all match, fil- have a matching filter and like, it, but it's, it, I wanted to have something that it's not just a highlight reel. And I wanted to do a podcast where I can be real with not only people that I have on, but be real with myself and talk about real stuff, you know, like the stuff that has affected us in our lives, but the stuff that goes on every day, because I mean, right now America is the hot mess express. So it's like, there's, there's not a day right now where there isn't an issue that, like isn't talked about I'm, and that's what I wanted to create this for and then it all became real at Christmas my mom made me cry and she got me this awesome podcast microphone <laughs> oh mama right she I opened this she she's so good at gift giving shout out to Mama Stina but like I opened this big box and it, on the top I actually saw the sheet back there what does it say it says 
self-care and goal digging open carefully. And so like that was the sheet on top. So it, I had like this um, box of like 15 face masks, some scrunchies. There was some new like facial spray in there. There was um, lip masks, some lip balm, like some self-care stuff. And then I got to my iPad, which is what um, I started my, I wanted to start like my digital portrait business with. And not I wanted two screens now that I was starting my business or starting my business and had my internship and had school. I just needed two things to help me. And then at the bottom of the box, she makes me cry every Christmas. I don't know what it is about her and my emotions, but she just does it. But at the bottom of the box was the piece of paper, the Amazon co- confirmation of my Yeti microphone. And I'm like, <laughs> and of course I knew it was going to make me cry because the beginning of opening the gift, she had my brother videotape me. I'm like, okay. What is it this No pressure, Stina. What is it this time? And it's inevitable every Christmas. Last year, she got me a trip to Vegas. The year before, it was a car. Like, she leased me a new car. Like, it was just, she's, my parents are awesome when it comes to that. And I told her at the beginning, I mean, I told her for a long time I wanted to start a podcast. And she's like, you just have to figure out what you want it to be. And, you know, in December, I finally found that. And she found, she saw that I found that. And you know, it took a month for me to get started, but here I am, and I'm so happy that I was able to have you, and we were able to, you know, get real and be real about real life stuff that people don't want to talk about. It might make people uncomfortable, but that's kind of my goal, is that I want people to feel uncomfortable in a good way. And Growth happens outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just posted about that, too. It's like... You know, you, you start to find yourself and you start to find what you, your real purpose in life is when you go past your comfort zone. And it's not just you, it's listening and it's hearing other people out, especially in a time where people don't want to listen to one another. And so creating this podcast was just kind of a way for me to do that and kind of have different people on here, you know? you were an awesome first guest because you know you've been through so much but you're able to find a light at the end of the tunnel and you're also experienced with having a full plate and like pageantry you know pageantry we're always told that we have to like show what we're doing at all times and especially in a time of a pandemic we always have to post on social media and it's, it gets hard. Like we, like I said, we talked two and a half hours before this, and this was one of the topics (laughs) that we talked about, but it was, you know, we're running out of things to post about. It's what do we post about now? We've, we can't take pictures of ourselves unless we want to put on makeup every day. (laughs) Like, (laughs) or my quarantine look. Right. Like it's, it's, it's getting hard and to post about, and you don't want it to be like that, but this year has been hard on everybody in a way that it's like, where do we go from here? Like, what do we do now? And normal's not going to be the normal that it was before. No, it's, it's going to be a lot different, but I'm hoping that with this podcast and especially with what you and I do every single day, advocating for what we do and not only just for that, but normalcy as a whole, um, and pushing each other to be our best, but inspiring others to do the same. And so having different people on here like you and 
I'm hoping to have like a variety of guests. I want a lot of male guests. I want a sports guest. I want, you know, I want, I want a variety of people, but, um, that's the goal with this podcast. And I think you and I did a great job of prying, hopefully prying people's minds open to, uh, getting real and being real, not only with other people, but with themselves. So no. I, hope you, I hope you had fun. Cause I did. Oh, I had so much fun. Are you kidding me? This is great. great. And I was no. like, it'll only be like a 30 minute. No, we were on here for like an hour. It's fine. I always tell people expect it to go 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And then it's like double that. It's just, once you get in the flow, you're like, wow, this is great. This is great. It's, nothing, <laughs> it's like, in one of my things that my goal is for my podcast is that I'm going to try not to edit anything out because I want wow. it to be real. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, like, uh, like authentic and it, it might be hard because episodes might get long, <laughs> but have you seen Joe Rogan? No. Have you watched- no. Okay. So he's the number one podcaster. Like, and he just, this oh, is, so- I heard his name because Alex Cooper, daddy gang. Um, she, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's solely on Spotify now cause they bought him out for a hundred million dollars. Um, yeah. So he was on, he used to be the fear factor host and he used to be a comedian. Yeah. And now he does a podcast and I found him on YouTube during quarantine. I don't know how I didn't know about him before, but he brings on so many different guests like people he agrees with people he disagrees with he brings on people who all disagree with each other and like just talk it out he's chill as all get out but his podcast can be up to like two three four hours and I somehow listen to them all like I'll be working and just put it on and so I think that that's why I do love podcasts and I think you will fall in love with like hosting it and having people on because when it's natural and it falls into place you're going to enjoy it. They're going to enjoy it. And people who are listening, who like what you're saying, will follow along no matter how long it is. Right. And on like YouTube, it's longer than obviously like TikTok. TikTok is like mindless <laughs> and That's fun. mindless scrolling. It's mindless scrolling. <laughs> YouTube, you get some longer form content, but podcasts is where you truly like get to know someone, you get to deep dive in and there's really no rules. And I think that that's why it's grown so much, but you're going to, you're going to love it. You did an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. Oh, you're never going to not be nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Every time before I get on one, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a little bit. Right. Like I I had, I had like five questions right now here. And I think I only asked two of them because like, we just had a natural conversation, which is great. Yep. Um, and like I said, I'm going to try not to edit anything out. I, I, love that. I have to with this, but you know, I feel the same way. You know, the podcasts that I listen to, they're fairly long. Um, there's some 30 minute ones, but then there's some that are like an hour and a half, but yep. I, I listen to them because I'm engaged with them because it's natural. Like you said, it's not, yeah. it's not like, okay, we have this section. Oh, okay. We're kind of done with that one. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> it's just it's natural and it and that's mm-hmm. that's how it felt here and again another reason why you were such a fabulous first guest for be real with bk um but yeah thank you so much for coming on here and especially for helping me with all this hot mess stuff i have going on on my side you know it's i, I didn't really know how to start i mean i when i say i texted shelby literally when i was like i'm doing this i texted shelby and it's like okay I need help. 
SOS. And she's like, what? I was like, I'm starting a podcast. And she's like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yes, tell me everything you know. And she likes that meets step-by-step videos and video messages or audio messages. (laughs) I did. I I got geeked out just because it's, it's so fun. And that's what I love about podcasts, YouTube, there's literally room for everyone. There's room for everyone to have a story, to grow, to be successful, to have it be whatever they want it to be, a side job, a full-time job, something just they're passionate about. So it's just like, as soon as you said, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. I was like, yes, like, mm-hmm. let's get this going. And right. you're doing the dang thing. So you should be proud. I, I am doing the dang thing. And you know, if this isn't your sign to do what you've always wanted to do, whether it be start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, start a business, do whatever the hell you want. This is your sign. This is your sign to just go for it because after 2020, why not? (laughs) That needs to be on a t-shirt. After 2020, why not? Why not? Or anything's possible. Aliens, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Giving you all your life advice and signs right now. Right now. And if you're not listening, you need to. (laughs) I mean- but thank you so much. This has been thank awesome. You. Just even two and a half hours before we got actually pressed record. Um, it was great catching up with you and you're amazing and you're going to keep doing amazing things. And I'm always in your corner and you know that. So I'm here always. I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to listen to the rest of your shows. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is kind of exciting because now I just get to put together my first show and it's gonna be real (laughs) real we're getting real with you (laughs) (laughs) but thank you I love you and you're amazing okay all right this is Shelby Lentz everybody give her a hand and clap hand emojis y'all I told you it was so good and she's so inspiring and just Oh, I love her so much. But thank you for joining me for yet another episode. I'm so thankful for your support. As always, I am BK, and don't forget to be real. I'll see you next time.